Uh, please be seated. And uh, once again, a very warm welcome uh, to everybody here. Can I ask you to keep the uh, Bible passage open uh, at page 1065, which uh, we've just read. Uh, page 1065, if you've lost the page. And also, if I can ask you in your bulletin, uh, the center pages of your bulletin, uh, we have an outline of the sermon, but not just an outline of the sermon, there's also uh, cross-references for our Old Testament, so if you have that open in front of you, that'll be helpful, then we'll need to uh, flip around, we can just look from there. Okay, so uh, if we have John chapter 7 uh, and the outline uh, in the center page. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your holy word, and we thank you that you speak to us by your Spirit through your word. We thank you that you've been speaking to us as your word has been read and sung. Uh, and we pray now you continue to do that as we consider this passage together. We pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would uh, strengthen me, uh, enable me to, to preach your word uh, rightly uh, and in his power. Uh, may he work in each of our hearts uh, that we might uh, see Jesus uh, that we might appreciate him more, uh, that we might come to him and persevere uh, in loving and following him. Uh, so we commit this time to you. Please work among us and uh, strengthen us and, and, and build us up, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Now, I'm not offering you a cup of tea or, or, or coffee or anything like that. Uh, I'm asking metaphorically. Are you thirsty? Do you go through life thinking there must be something more than this? Do you long for an intimacy with God that is beyond what you experience? Are you thirsty? If you were here last week, you may remember that Jesus had gone to Jerusalem uh, for that uh, feast of booze that lasted one week, but he went up late and he went up in secret. Uh, and I suggested he might have been wanting to uh, do that to keep his time there short so he didn't get arrested before the last day of the feast because that was a day when he was going to make a big announcement. Uh, so he only started teaching publicly in the temple about the middle of the week. Uh, but even then, different people had different reactions to his teaching. Some praised him as a good man while others condemned him as a deceiver. Some were impressed by his teaching. Others thought that he was demon-possessed. Many were just confused while well, the Pharisees dispatched officers to arrest him. But Jesus said, if anyone really wants to, know, to do God's will, he will know whether I am from the Father or not. Well, today's passage opens as the feast reaches its climax. Uh, verse 37 tells us it is the last day of the feast, the great day. Now, this is significant. Uh, and let me give you a bit more background uh, to this feast that I gave you last week to, to understand their significance. Every day during the feast, water would be taken in procession by the high priest from the pool of Siloam back to the temple. And on this seventh day, this last day, the priests and the people would process around the altar seven times, singing psalms of praise as water was poured over the altar. And water would stream out from the altar and flow away. Now, this ceremony was not in the Old Testament. It was actually developed about 100 years before Christ. But what it's picturing is very Old Testament. 
For it is a picture of the promises of God in the Old Testament, like Ezekiel 47, which we read earlier, where water from the temple is pictured as, as watering the land and bringing goodness and fertility. Remember our Old Testament reading. God gave Ezekiel this vision of a new temple. It wasn't a literal temple. It was a, it was a picture of the future using categories of the past, being temple, one of this case. And in this picture, water was trickling out from the temple. And the further away it flowed from the temple, the deeper it went. And whenever this river went, it, it brought life. It brought freshness and vegetation. Uh, so even trees were growing in the desert. And the water is filled with fish and other living creatures. And when the water reaches the sea, even the Dead Sea, the seawater becomes fresh. And both sides of the river are all kinds of trees, watered by, by water from the sanctuary of the temple of God. And their fruit was for food, and their leaves for healing. You see the picture God is painting through Ezekiel. <coughs> Living water, fresh water, coming from the temple in Jerusalem, from God's presence among His people, to create something like a, like a new Eden. Uh, Eden is a place that Adam and Eve were, lived before they sinned and the imagery in Genesis 2 included rivers that flow out from there to water the earth and of course the tree of life and, and, and this is a little bit like Eden being restored but, but centering on this, this temple, the source of water. So back in this literal temple on the last day of the feast water is poured over the altar flows down to picture this imagery in just a little way and to remind God's people of his promise of real living water from the temple to come. There's another bit of Old Testament background from Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14 was actually read on that, on that day in the temple as part of the festivities. And it's there on your handouts. Verse 8, On that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, Half of them to the eastern sea, half of them to the western sea. It will continue in summer as in winter, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. Once again, you've got a picture of living water flowing from Jerusalem, where the temple is, watering the earth. Now, this is the context in which Jesus makes a very outrageous claim. In verse 37, On the last day of the feast, the great day. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then he references rivers of living water. The Old Testament prophecy, the source of the water of life, was the temple. But Jesus said, if you are thirsty, if you need living water, you come to me. And we've already seen in John's gospel that, that Jesus is the true temple. We've seen it a number of times. Destroy this temple, he said. I will raise it up in three days. And he was talking about the temple of his body. And now Jesus is echoing this claim again. That promised temple that Ezekiel pictured, that source of life-giving water, is Jesus himself. And Jesus' invitation echoes another Old Testament passage, Isaiah 55. Uh, two chapters before that in Isaiah 53, there is that great famous passage about Jesus' death for sin and his resurrection uh, predicted in the Old Testament. And now, Isaiah 55, there's an invitation that is only possible because of Isaiah 53. 
And in Isaiah 55 verse 1, it says, Come, God says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy, eat. An invitation to come. And Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, come, come to me. Jesus is the source of the water of life. Now, Jesus' invitation here in verse 37 to 38 can be translated, actually, in two different ways, and our translation has taken one of them. The other way is to read it with a different punctuation, because, you see, there's no punctuation marks in the original Greek. Uh, and so when you translate from Greek to English, you have to add your full stop and comma and all that uh, at the right spot. I've put an alternative translation in the, uh, in the handouts for you. Uh, and it's this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and let him drink, whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, scholars can argue back and forth, but I actually think this alternative translation has merit. And if it's right, then, then whose heart is it from which the living water flows? It's not the believer's heart, but it's Jesus' heart. Uh, and that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? In light of the Old Testament background we've looked at. Because it's the temple from which the living water comes. And when Jesus refers to the scripture out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, he's not quoting one particular verse, but he's summarizing all that teaching that we've already seen. That out of the heart of Jesus, out of the true temple, comes the rivers of living water. But then we ask, what is that living water? What is Jesus inviting us to drink? Well, John gives us the answer in verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Ah, so if Jesus is the temple, then the living water that comes out from the temple is the Spirit. Jesus is the fountain of living water. He is the one who gives the Spirit. And just as the water gives life, the Spirit is the one who gives life. He gives new life. He, he gives life from above. He causes people to be born again. The Spirit mediates the presence of Christ, gives us intimacy with Him and therefore the Father. He sustains us, enables us to bear fruit for God. The Spirit is God come to us. At that time, Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Spirit had not yet been given. But now He has. Jesus has died. He has risen. He has ascended to the Father. The Spirit has poured out at Pentecost. And for those of us who trust in Jesus, those who believe, we have the Spirit now. And just like that living water brings new life to everything it touches, the Spirit gives new life to everyone whom He touches. But there's more. Later on in the book of Revelation, this same John is given a, a vision of the new creation. And this theme is picked up there as well. You remember in our, in our New Testament reading uh, from Revelation 21, Jesus himself says, To the thirsty, to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And then he says, The one who conquers 
will have this heritage. The one who conquers is the one who keeps on trusting in Jesus to the very end, despite trials and persecutions and difficulties. And this spring of the, of the water of life, well, it's picked up again a couple of verses later in Revelation 22. We see that on our sheet. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the city, and also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. Sounds familiar? It's Ezekiel's river again, isn't it? Once again, we see living water, and this time we see it flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It's coming from, from God Himself. For you see, the, the Spirit of God proceeds from the Father and the Son. He comes to us. We, 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 we drink of Him now. We've received Him now. But on that day in the new creation, His, His coming to us will be complete. We will, we will drink of Him forever. And so be caught up in the love and life of the Trinity. And so be coming to all that we were, that we were made for. We will drink and drink, find our ultimate satisfaction in God Himself. And for all eternity, we will never be thirsty again. For our deepest need and deepest longings will be satisfied in God alone, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the invitation of Jesus to come and drink is an invitation to come and share in the love and life and eternal happiness of our triune God. Well, from these high points of Jesus' words, we come back down to earth and see what reaction he's getting now. And once again, it's a bit mixed. Some people are supportive, though they don't really understand all who he is, and some people want to kill him. On the more supportive side, some say in verse 40 of John chapter, John chapter 7 that he really is the prophet. Moses had promised that a prophet like himself would come. Some people realize that Jesus is that prophet, which is true, but, but it's not enough, isn't it? You, you can say that I'm a mammal, and that's true, but it's not really enough to know me. Others say in verse 41 that this is the Christ. They believe he's the Messiah, God's promised king, the descendant of David who will rule God's people in justice forever. Well, that's, that's, that's good. But some say he's... Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not, verse 42, the Scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the, the village where David was? Do you see? They just assume la, that because Jesus comes from Galilee that he was born there. And so between those who want him dead and those who think he's the prophet or the Messiah, well, they can't agree on what to do with him. There's a division in verse 43 among the people over him. Someone to arrest him, but no one actually lays hands on him. 
Because you see, the officers who have been dispatched to arrest him and take him back to the Pharisees, go back to the Pharisees empty-handed. And the Pharisees in verse 45 and the chief priests say, why, why didn't you bring him here? And they answer, no one ever spoke like this man. They're obviously impressed. You sure you want to arrest him? And the Pharisees have a chance to reconsider. And their response in verse 47, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that doesn't know the law is accursed. They think that by definition they are right. right? Don't go back to the scriptures. They look around each other and they go, Yep, we all agree we must be right. And so they miss the chance to reconsider their action and confirm their own guilt in rejecting Jesus. But almost immediately, God in his patience gives them another chance. In verse 50, Nicodemus, who was one of them, you remember he was the one who went to Jesus by night in chapter 3. He says, does our Lord judge a man first, uh, sorry, does judge a man without first giving him the, a hearing and learning what he does? It's not saying they have to believe, but just ask for a fair hearing for Jesus. And what do they do? Oh, are you from Galilee also? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And so they let their prejudice blind them to the truth. They don't stop to check the facts where Jesus is really born. They reject Jesus and continue to seek his death. I wonder if anyone here is a little bit like that. Maybe you've heard of Jesus, but you, you don't want to accept him as your king. Other people tell you, but, but you don't want to believe. Maybe they even bring you to church on Sunday, but that's as far as you want to go. Well, my friend, take this as a wake-up call, your, your chance to reconsider. The Pharisees had two chances to reconsider. They blew it both times. Don't do that. Be fair. Go back to the Scriptures. Examine the evidence. At least sign up for the next Christianity Explored course. Right? Just write on a blue card. Tell me when the next Christianity Explored course starts, I will come along and find out. Pray that God by His Spirit will give you a will that truly seeks God's will and therefore know if Jesus is from the Father or not. Don't be like the Pharisees in confirming your own guilt. But finally, let me take us back to that invitation of Jesus. If anyone is thirsty, he says, let him come to me. Come to me. Are you thirsty? Do you, do you go through life thinking that there must be something more than this? Well, there is. It's being a child of God now, but also being with Him in the new creation. Do you long for an intimacy with God that is beyond what you experience? Well, it is coming for all who believe. For while we have the Spirit now, 
believers will experience Him in His perfect and glorious fullness in that new creation where we will drink of the water without measure. Are you thirsty for that? If you are thirsty, then come to Jesus. Admit you're a sinner, alienated from God by your wrong behavior. Believe you can be forgiven through Jesus' death for your sins in your place. Put your trust in Him as your Savior and Lord. Most of us have done that. We've received His Spirit. We know Jesus is our Lord. We, we know God as our Father. But the next step is to keep on pressing on in following Jesus. Despite troubles and obstacles and difficulties. For it is those who conquer, those who, who make it to the end, who have the heritage of drinking from the spring of the water of life in the new creation. Where our relationship with God is perfected. Where He is our God and we are His people. Who will know Him, love Him, enjoy Him, and worship Him together for all eternity, caught up in that eternal love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bit like being in the Garden of Eden, only so, so, so much better. If that is what you thirst for, then hear the words of Jesus. If anyone is thirsty, Come to me and let him drink, whoever believes in me. Come, believe, drink. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made us to belong to you, to love you, to worship you, to experience you, to enjoy you. And that our true satisfaction comes only in you. We thank you for giving your Son to redeem us. We thank you that he is that true temple from which that living water comes. Thank you that you have brought us to him. That we have indeed received your spirit now. That we are in relationship with you now. That we know you as our father and Jesus as our Lord. Please help us to persevere. Persevere in faith in him all the way to the end. That we might have that heritage in the new creation. Drinking that water of life without measure. Knowing you, loving you, rejoicing in you, enjoying you in all fullest possible way.
thank you for your grace which promises us that inheritance. Keep us for that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.